right, guys, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 7. We're going to finish up chapter 7 today. John chapter 7. And so we're still, we're going to get right back. Last week we talked a little bit about Christmas and God's being in the details of things. We're going to get back into John chapter 7 and getting to know Jesus through this gospel. And I thought this would be a really good passage for us to talk about because we're entering into the new year and we live in some interesting times. You know, maybe, uh, you know, I know I'm getting older. And I can remember when I came to Christ in 1985, there was a sense of, whether it was real or not, there was a sense of respectability with being a churchgoer, okay? So you would, back then, even, you know, you would have people who would be, quote, in the church because it was a status thing in the community to be in church. And there were all kinds of churches, and attendance was higher in a lot of churches. But, you know, here we are, fast forward now 30-some years, that that's completely changed now. That's completely different. People couldn't care less about church. Attendance is dropping across the board in a lot of churches. Uh, celebration of Christmas, whether it was for the Christ child you were celebrating it or just for family, really doesn't matter anymore. Now, we can get all worked up about that, about whether or not some restaurant decides to put Christmas decorations on their coffee cup or not. But to be honest with you, that's meaningless. Why? Because really, to be honest with you, Christianity is not about an institution or being a part of an institution. Christianity is about a personal faith and what you choose to believe or don't believe. But see, we don't like it that way. We like to separate things into smooth categories. What do you mean? We like to separate things into, well, you're a believer and I'm an unbeliever. And with that, we like to lump everybody in the believing section as all believing the same thing. Well, you know, I've, I've been a pastor a long time now. I can tell you right now, even in the group this size who call themselves Kerwinsville Christian Church, that ain't easy to define. Now, there's some basics. There needs to be some basic beliefs. But beyond that, it gets really complicated. Lump everybody in one category and say, well, we all believe the same thing. Well, because I'll be honest with you, I've been observing polls, Christian polls, for the last 30 years. And we don't, even when it comes to the basics. So let alone then, if you have this big monolithic group of people who don't believe, to say, well, they're all in this one category. They're not. But that's because we want to put them in that group. But I'm going to be honest with you, the Bible doesn't put them in that group. If anything, the Bible is very straightforward, and that's what we're seeing here in the Gospel of John, that when it comes to the person of Jesus Christ, everybody has to personally struggle with who he is and make a decision. And some people... A lot of people have differing concepts of who he is and come to different conclusions. 
And that's what we're going to see today. We're going to focus on verses 40 to 52, and we're going to see the responses to Jesus. And there's a lot of responses in there. There's responses from people who were like, yeah, to others who are like, what do, you, what do you mean you didn't arrest him? We need to get rid of him. And there's reasons why they have the different reactions. And so why, why is that important for you and I to understand? Okay. We live right now in some interesting times. And right now, everybody's got their back up ready to fight somebody. And, you know, a couple weeks ago in my newsletter, I talked about there's something more important than your opinion. Hope you read that. What's more important than your opinion is relationships. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's relationships. And being there for each other rather than hearing your opinion. And I'm pretty opinionated, but I've learned through the years to swallow my opinion. Because most people don't get with me to hear my opinion. They only get with me to hear about Jesus and how Jesus can help them through their situation. They really couldn't care less what I think about the Steelers. Or Washington, whatever their name is now. They haven't, that's who I used to root for. I know, you're disappointed. Okay. But that's your opinion, right? It's about relationships. And that's really what it's about. And see, here's the thing. What I'm going to share with you today is to help you to understand, we're going to look at a group of people today, the crowd and the leadership, and they all have different reactions to Jesus, and it's not all landing in the place we want them to land. And what that should not draw you to is, is ooh, they're bad. No, it's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that our gospel is not veiled to this world. It's not hidden from them, but it's that the God of this world has blinded their eyes to the truth. And if anything, it, what it should draw from you is, oh Lord, they don't see. They're not seeing. Therefore, they're reacting to what they see, but they're not seeing. Can you open their eyes? What it should draw from us is a heart for them. Because let me just be honest with you. Jesus is one upfront, straight-up guy. What do you mean? He told us from the very beginning that if we followed him, not everyone would like us because if they hate the master, they will surely hate the servant as well. So why are you surprised? But if anything, the scripture gives you an understanding as to why they are the way they are. So that you know how to what? Love them and pray for them. So let's look at it together, okay? If you have your Bibles, we're going to see some interesting things. Normally, if we were reading this on our own, we just kind of breeze right through this. 
It's the final verses of this chapter. Let's get to chapter 8. But let's take a look at what he says here in verse 40 through 52. Here's what John writes. Therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, Truly, this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some of them said, Will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David, from the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. Now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. Then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why have you not brought him? The officers answered, No man ever spoke like this man. Then the Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed him? But this crowd does not know the, that, does not look, that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? They answered and said to him, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. And everyone went to his own house. Now, let's look at this. We're going to break it down into two simple groups here. We're going to look, because I told you the Bible breaks down, excuse me, it's John, there are three groups of people. There are those who believe. There's the crowd. Okay, and they have various reactions within the crowd. And then there's the leaders. And it was ultimately the leaders who would condemn him and have him placed on a cross. So let's look at this. We're going to break it down into two groups. We're going to look, first of all, at the crowd. We're going to see some interesting things here that might help you to understand some things as far as when you are talking with somebody about your faith in Christ or talking to somebody about Jesus, when you see somebody talking about Jesus, you might see some, some things that fit here as far as why they are reacting the way they are. And then we're going to look at the leaders. We're going to notice some things there as well. All right, so here's the first thing. Look with me at verse 40 and 41. There's an interesting discussion. Here we are, we have a group of people who are listening to Jesus. They are witnessing that Jesus is healing people. They are amazed by his teaching. But they can't agree among themselves as to who he is. They can't wrap their brain around who he is. Why? Here's why. Look with me at verse 40 and 41. Here's what it says. Therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, truly, this is the prophet. Now, let me just help you to understand who the prophet is. Back over in Deuteronomy chapter 18, I think it's verse 15 through 18, Moses told Israel, as they were getting ready to enter into the promised land, that there was a prophet who was going to come after him who was greater than he. So a promise of a greater prophet. So some of them, when they're listening, they're like, this is the prophet. This is the prophet. Okay, look, read verse 41. Others said, this is the Christ. Christ is the Greek word meaning Messiah. So again, they were anticipating the Messiah is coming. 
So this is one group, this is the prophet, the other group, this is the Christ. Now, there's another group there, listen to what they said. But some said, will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said the Christ comes from the seed of David, from the town of Bethlehem where David was? Here's what I want you to see. Some people tried to fit Jesus into scriptural concepts. They tried to fit them into their own scriptural concept. Now the problem is, this is what's amazing. You and I look at that and we know that Jesus fits into both of these concepts. He is the prophet that Moses was talking about, yet he is the Messiah. But for them right there in that day, they were two different concepts. They couldn't equate the two. And so for some of them, they just wrestled with what they knew. And they couldn't grasp what you were saying. Because look, people operate based upon what they know. Or what they've been taught. Man, you don't know how many times through the years I've had somebody tell me this. I've even had it from my own family. Okay, so I remember when my grandmother, she's now dead... She was German. She would come hang out with me when, when the, in the later years when she would visit my mom. I'd have her come up and visit me, and we'd talk. We'd have discussions, and she would say, well, it's in the Bible. And why would you say it's in the Bible, I would say? Well, so-and-so said. So then she said, I said, well, you know what? I have my Bible here, and uh, I, I don't find that anywhere in the Bible. That's an English Bible. My grandmother was German. I was a bad grandson. So I said, I just happen to have a Luther Bible here written in German. Can you show me where that is? And she would take it, and it's in German, and she would be, oh, oh and she would just put it down. Why? Because we operate based more on, I find this to be true even in church today, more on what we know that some preacher told us or our grandma told us than what we ourselves have read in the Bible. And so they had these concepts of the prophet. Oh, he must be the prophet. Oh, he must be the Christ. Well, wait a minute now. He can't be the Christ because didn't it say in the Bible somewhere that he was supposed to come from the house of David and something about Bethlehem? It's interesting. I was thinking about that this morning. Now do you understand why Luke includes in his gospel? The other gospels don't have it there, but he includes chapter 2, the story of how Jesus was born where? In Bethlehem. And how he got there. Because some fat cat emperor in Rome decided he wanted more money and so the governor of that area, Quirinius, has a census where everybody's supposed to go back to where their family heritage is from. So what? Joseph from the house of where? David has to go back where? Bethlehem. He takes with him who? His betrothed wife, Mary. And guess what? She has a baby where? In Bethlehem. Now do you understand why Luke included that in his gospel why because probably people were saying there's no way he could be the messiah because he came from nazareth luke when he writes his gospel says well yeah here's how it happens 
Yeah, he's from Nazareth, but guess where he was born? You know what I'm saying? So some people try to fit Jesus into their scriptural concepts. And that's what you're going to find. People are going to try to fit their concept of Jesus with what they know or what they've been told. Okay, here's the other thing. They still miss the obvious connections concerning his identity. They still missed it. They can't see it. See, I told you last time we talked about this passage. From the beginning, there was a promise. What do you mean from the beginning? All the way from Genesis in the beginning when it was said that her seed would crush the head of Satan. There has been a promise of a deliverer. For mankind, not just for the Jews. Do you understand? In the beginning, it was for mankind, the children of Adam and Eve. We are the children of Adam and Eve, folks. And then as it moves along with the law being given under Moses, Moses talks about what? There's going to be another prophet who comes. There's going to be somebody greater than me. Then you get through the prophets, and they're foretelling who will come, the Messiah, the Christ. But here's the thing, they kind of looked at it all and it wasn't coming together for them. They couldn't connect the dots. The only reason why we could connect the dots is because he told us what the dots were and how they were connected. Don't you remember the two on the road to Emmaus? And Jesus appears to them and on that walk to Emmaus from Jerusalem, he goes through all of the scriptures and shows how Jesus, he himself, was to be the Christ. And they were blown away. And then they realized, yes, it's Jesus. Here's the thing. You have people around you that have these varying concepts. And maybe even, can I be honest with you, they were channel surfing. And got bored with the game and they landed on some Christian station and heard some weird, crazy guy on TV making some statement about, oh yeah, that sounds good. Better get back to the game. They still miss the obvious connections. Here's the other thing I want you to see. Verse 41 and 42 tells you that some of them knew. They, they knew better. They, they said, wait a minute now. But some said, will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? Here's what I want you to do. Third thing, they saw and understood based upon what they knew. Based upon what they knew. Okay. You ever have God do something wonderful for you? Answer a major prayer? Work out the circumstances that you, in your mind, you knew it was a God thing? And, and you were like convinced, God, you showed up at the right moment, the right time, and you did this in my life. Or you provided this, or you opened that door, and it was obvious it was a God thing, but then you turn around and you're so excited about what God did for you, you share it with others. Because that's natural, right? And you share it with somebody at work or somebody in family, and you know what they say? 
that was a nice coincidence. Boy, you're awfully lucky. Luck has nothing to do with it. What do you mean? You were just in the right place at the right time. It was a God thing. Really? And you go away, what? Frustrated, like, why can't they see it? Because they can't. Because they only understand things. This is what I'm trying to help you to understand. They only understand things from their what? Their perspective. I'll give you an example that I think we can all relate to. It's being played out throughout our nation even now. You see it all the time. It has to do with, have, have you not realized that people in the city don't understand what life is like in a place like Kerwinsville? They don't see it the same way as we do. And they're not going to. Like, can I help you? I have no clue what it's like to be in New York City. But I don't want to know. Right? So when I view life, I view life from the prism of Clearfield County. But the prism is actually more than just Clearfield County when you think about the world, right? But I only act upon what I know. And I make judgments based upon what I know. See, this is what's going on here with these folks when it comes to Jesus. They're looking at, none of them knew. I mean, wait a minute now, isn't he from Nazareth? I thought the scripture said he's supposed to come from Bethlehem. Can I tell you why it wasn't commonly known that he was born in Bethlehem? Because his mother was pregnant before she was legitimately what? Married. And while that's not a big issue in our culture today, talk to somebody who lived 40 or 50 years ago and you had an illegitimate birth. That was a stigma in the community, wasn't it? Now let's go back 2,000 years to a strict Jewish community where somebody is stoned for that kind of behavior and do you go around and say, well, yeah, we had the baby in Bethlehem. Remember, Joseph, according to the scripture, wanted to, Matthew says, what quietly put her away. Did you ever wonder why, it, when it talks about the wise men in the scripture, it talks about Mary being in a house in Bethlehem for those first few years before they had to flee to Egypt? Why are they still in Bethlehem? Why didn't he just go back to Nazareth? The stigma. So people didn't know. They didn't understand. All they knew was is he's from Nazareth. So how, what do you mean? This, there's no way it's him. The guy's supposed to come from Bethlehem. This is where people are at. They saw and understood things based upon what they knew. But here's the bottom line. And we see this played out everywhere. Here it is. Look with me in verse 43 and 44. So there was, are you ready for this? So there was division among the people. 
They couldn't agree. There was division among the people. Here's what they, they couldn't find, they could not find agreement concerning who Jesus is. And let me just tell you something, folks. Here we are 2,000 years later. And they still can't. Now, the thing that you and I understand is, is that rather than just lumping them all and saying, well, you know, they're no good. I can't believe they can't see this. I'm going to tell you why they can't see it. Paul tells us why they can't see it. First, Second Corinthians chapter 4, the God of this age has what? Blinded their eyes. They can't see it. You know what, when I, when I read a passage like this and I see the reactions of people and I understand because of what Paul tells us later in his letter to the Corinthians why this takes place, I'm going to tell you the reaction that comes to me because I have loved ones who cannot see. I have friends who cannot see. I have people through the years that I've worked with that cannot see. Here is the reaction that I have. Why did you let me see, Lord? Why did you let me see? Thank you, you let me see. Can't you open their eyes too? That's what it should draw from us, folks. Is a burden for those who cannot what? See. Now, that was the response of the crowd. What we're also going to see now is that the story shifts to the leaders, and we're going to see a little bit more of an extreme of a response, and we see that around today. And I'm going to help you to understand why there are some very extreme positions that are out there. We see it from the leaders as well. So I want you to notice with me, we're going to go to verse 45 to verse 52. We've already read these, but I'll just kind of go through these with you verse by verse. Let's look at verse 45 through 46. Remember, in chapter 7, the Pharisees, which is a subgroup of the Jewish, they were the moral, conservative, followed the law, felt everybody else should follow the law. Those who didn't follow the law were accursed. They were sinners. They rejected. They're all going to hell. And the chief priests, who are the ruling aristocratic folks who head the temple, they decide to send some of their temple officers, temple guards, to go and arrest Jesus. We've got to get rid of this guy. Go take him. He's causing a problem. Let's get rid of him. All right, so here's what happens. We get to the rest of the story now. We come to verse 45. Here's what it says. And the officers came to the chief priests and the Pharisees who said to them, why have you not brought him? Okay, so they return, and guess what they're expecting? I sent you. Have you ever done this? I ask you to do one thing. What do you mean you didn't do it? This is what they're doing. I mean, we, we understand that, right? We've said that, you know, said that to your kids. I told you to take the garbage out. 
And this is what they're doing. This is the attitude. I sent you to take him. Why did you not bring them? Here's what they said. The officers answered, no one ever spoke like this man. Now, that, that's got to blow your mind. Why? Because these guys, these officers, are around these leaders who are always talking and teaching. And so the guy they go to arrest Jesus is speaking in such a way they're like, wow, no one's ever talked like him. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Some were amazed at the level of Jesus' teaching. It was completely different. It was real. It was real. So they, they're like, man, did you hear what he says? I mean, listen, remember the two on the road to Emmaus? Did not our hearts burn within us when he spoke? Listening to Jesus speaks to you. And those guys who were sent to go arrest him, they were amazed at who he was. And that's where people are at. I'm going to be honest with you. People are at different levels. Just because they don't just automatically like, okay, sign me up doesn't mean it's not speaking to them. It just takes time. And prayer. And prayer, right? So some were amazed at the level of the teaching. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Look at how these guys respond. It is amazing. If you look at verse... 47 to 48. Then the Pharisees answered, Are you also deceived? They're not even open to what they found out about Jesus. They're like already made up their mind. Are you also deceived? Are you also buying into a lie? That's what they're saying here. Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? Just look among us. None of us have believed him. What a general statement because the reality is is there is a guy among them who is a Pharisee. His name is Nicodemus. He's going to believe. Why? Because he went to claim Jesus' body later. And it says then that he was a disciple of Jesus. But here's what's going on. Here's, here's the thing. Some believe that they have set the standard for belief. Man, it is so easy to fall into this trap. And it's so easy in church world to fall into this trap where you set the standard of believing in Jesus. You've got to jump through these hoops. You've got to, you've got to do it this way. I mean, and I, I can remember, you know what? <clears throat> Being in an independent Baptist church as a young man, and, you know, and, and, and being communicated, you know, salvation is free. It's a free gift. Accept salvation. Pray to ask Jesus into your heart. And then you see people coming and they're struggling. Maybe they're struggling with alcoholism. And guess what? When you struggle with alcoholism, with any kind of addiction, you what? You fall back into that addiction. Right? And so so-and-so, brother so-and-so, man, he's back in the drink. Well, he must not be saved. Wait a minute. What did that have to do with salvation or belief? Now, as a young man, I listened to that and I thought, well, maybe that's true. As I've gotten older, 
I've realized, no, no, you don't understand. He's wrestling with a demon, a sin in his life that's got control of him, and it ain't that easy. Think about what you wrestle with. And to be honest with you, I think back to it, the people who were telling me they were wrestling with their own sin and demon. What was that? Gossip. And that's even harder to break than alcoholism. I've not seen a gossip anonymous group, have you? To help you recover from that addiction. See, some believe that they set the standard for belief. Have you found any among us who believe? Yes, there are. But you think you are setting the standard here. And that's the problem. The problem is, is part of this group of people who are rejecting, they're setting the standard for what belief is. Here's the other thing I want you to see. Not only are they setting the standard, verse 49, this is ridiculous. Listen to this. These are the, quote, conservative leaders in the community, the, the moral people. And look at what they say about the crowd. The crowd does not, that does not know the law is accursed. You know what that being accursed is here? It means they're literally, they're going to hell. He basically is looking at these ignorant people don't know anything Therefore, they're condemned. And so here's what I want you to see. Third point, they saw others as ignorant and accursed. See, I think that's part of the problem today. The broader problem is, is that we are so set in our view of life and our opinions that if people don't fit with our opinions and our view of life, then we write them off. And my, are we writing off a lot of people now? When in reality, like I said, we can't even agree with what the issue is with the Steelers, right? For some people, it's Ben. He needs to retire. It's Tomlin. We need a better coach. We need a defense. I heard that one is, we have no defense. Where's the steel curtain? And that was just among three people. I don't know what it would be among 20. But yet, and, and guess what we do with that? We're like, we are just ignorant. You don't really know anything about football. Yeah, you're right, and I don't want to. But here's not what else they do. Verse 50 to 52, the Nicodemus speaks up. Okay, now remember, Nicodemus is the one who went to him in the night because he's, he's curious. He wants to know, is this the Messiah? And so Nicodemus speaks up. Look with me at verse 50 to 52. Here's what he says. Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? They answered and said to him, Are you also from Galilee? That's not a good statement, folks. Basically, are you a country bumpkin? Are you also from Galilee? 
Search and look, no prophet arises out of Galilee. Isn't that interesting? Because Isaiah in his prophecy talks about in the land of Nethetali. In Issachar, they would see a what? A great light. Here's what's going on here. They ignored the law by focusing on their understanding. Again, they, they had glasses on that only saw their perspective. They saw blinders. They had blinders on. They could only see what they wanted to see. And that's where they're at. Okay, George. So we saw the crowd. We understand the crowd. We saw the leaders. We saw the ridiculousness of their attitudes and their perspective and their steadfastness in their opinion. What does this all have to do with me? It has everything to do with you. Because you rub shoulders with these people every day. And here you are, a follower of Jesus. And Jesus is real to you. And Christianity is Jesus. It's not the church. Folks, this building could burn down tomorrow. But hopefully you'll still believe in Jesus whether the building is here or not. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know nations around the world where the faith that you hold to is illegal. But they still hold to that what? Faith. Because it's not an institution. It's a person who is alive and wants to interact in your life. So here you are, but yet you dwell in the midst of people who cannot see. And in midst of people like these leaders who refuse to see. So what does this message mean? What does the reason that John gives us this passage is to help you to understand why people can't grasp who he is. So that you better understand the world that you live in. And you rely upon him to guide you through it. And it's not that easy just to lump it into Unbelievers and believers. It's life. And what it should do is break our hearts for people who need Jesus. Let me pray for you.